Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got the gnarly politics going on among House Republicans. Number two, Jayapal puts pressure on passing the Build Back Better Act. And number three, the latest on the January 6th committee. All right, Jake, all week long, we have been talking House Republicans infighting the drama. They're still in the minority. I can only imagine what's going to happen when they are likely in the majority uh, after the 2022 election. But this morning in Punchbowl News uh, AM, we are basically detailing, you know, a lot of the kind of difficult politics that are going on here and kind of bombastic politics that are of a kind of a totally different generation. Yeah, Anna. Well, I'd say you and I probably have a PhD in House Republican infighting and Brez has a if there's something more than a PhD, there's a ZHD. <laughs> He's got a, a ZHD in House Republican I infighting. Mean, coming up with I, new degrees in the yeah, morning. <laughs> it's, it's the, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it stands for because I don't know what it stands for. I made it up. Um, you know, OK, so we started yesterday with this idea that um, Republicans were um, uh, going to punish some of their members or might punish some of their members for voting for the infrastructure bill. It was a story so good uh, uh, that in Punchbowl News that others tagged along, which we welcome. Um, uh, I would say we are very we're happy as a new news organization to get to get credit for stories and sometimes not get credit for stories. It's OK. Not, not a sensitive topic at all this morning. <laughs> no, listen. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, House Republicans are about to take the majority and it's good to take stock of some of these things, some of the dynamics. I mean, I'll handle the first couple, Anna. You handle the second couple. Paul Gosar uh, tweeted an image of someone killing Democratic rep Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which is so disgusting and so ridiculous. Um, and House Republican leaders said nothing. Uh, we tried. Uh, they didn't want to say anything. Brian Mast, Republican from Florida, uh, screamed across the House floor the other day during the infrastructure debate. Um that Pelosi deserved an Oscar after she gave a speech on the floor. Bizarre behavior. He was later, same night, arguing with Salud Carbajal about how no one in Carbajal's California district wanted to hire 80,000 more IRS agents. So two interesting data points. Anna, take it away. We detail this uh, pretty well throughout the AM newsletter, but a couple other kind of data points that stuck out to us. You have several House Republicans using the phrase, let's go, Brandon, on the House floor. It is a coded reference to F. Joe Biden. Uh, this includes Representative Bill Posey, the Republican from Florida. Representative Jeff, Jeff Duncan from South Carolina wore a mask on the floor with the phrase on it, while Madison Cawthorn is selling T-shirts and bumper stickers featuring the insulting slogan on his campaign website. We have talked a lot about how these House Republicans are that voted for the infrastructure bill. Those 13 are facing potentially an effort to have them removed from their committee assignments. Uh, then there's Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia. She's given up nearly a third 
for a congressional salary because she refuses to wear a mask on the House floor uh, and she keeps getting the automatic fines. She also, you know, is getting crosswise with other members of her own party. She tweeted the phone numbers of GOP colleagues that voted for the infrastructure bill. Uh, That includes Representative Fred Upton, who has been getting death threats. Uh, And she seemed to find common cause with the Nation of Islam over their aversion to vaccines. The Nation of Islam, of course, is Louis Farrakhan's group, which is seen as racist and anti-Semitic. And then there's the issue of Republicans under federal criminal indictment. You have Representative Jeff Fortenberry of Nebraska uh, and another being investigated by the FBI and Justice Department for sex trafficking, Representative Matt Gates of Florida. That was a a lot that we just went through there. Yeah. um, So this just kind of gives you a flavor of where Republicans are right now, uh, House Republicans are um, when it comes to uh, you know, just internal caucus uh, conference dynamics. But listen, they're in a good political position um, and they should be just like laying back and getting their stuff together, getting ready for the majority. But they're not. Um, they this is what this is the, the Republican Party at the moment. And um, uh, this is what it's been for a little bit. So uh, kind of amazing. Anna. they are, you know, I remember, you know, I was thinking about this when I was writing this item last night, you know, I remember back in 2010, um, John Boehner used to say something to the extent of like, are Republicans, you know, do they deserve the majority? Like, are, I, I, I should actually look this up and put it in and put it in this morning. But, you know, do they deserve, are they ready for power? Um, because in 2006, you'll remember, like they weren't right. Like they had power. They there was the Jack Abramoff lobbying scandal, the the uh, Page scandal, House Page scandal. There were a whole host of just like bad behavior situations, and, and it called into question whether Republicans and Republicans lost the majority in 2006, got it back in 2008, and um, Boehner used to say something like, "We need to prove that we're ready for the majority." I mean, that's a good question. Are Republicans ready? to be in power. Uh, and I, I think that's a legitimate question that we'll spend a lot of time over the next, you know, and that's not a partisan question. I mean, is this, is this a, is this a group of people that's ready to govern? And, and I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Do you? It's going to be something that we are going to be watching very closely for sure. Being in the minority and opposing things is always a lot easier than trying to get things done. And there's a lot of sideshows that we're seeing uh, right now among House Republicans, which we just detailed in (laughs) at length. All right, let's move on to number two story of the morning, the Build Back Better Act. What's going to happen? Congressional chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, Representative Pramila Jayapal, is pressing for a floor vote next week on the massive bill, even as moderate Democrats are waiting for more data on the package from CBO. Jayapal tweeted on the issue late last night, making it very clear where she stood. Next week, in her mind, is the deadline for a BBB vote. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting, Anna, because I think the two sides might see this a little bit differently. Uh, CBO doesn't have data that that the moderates like. Then they're then then I'm not sure they're going to be ready for a vote. And 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 Jayapal saying, well, I don't really. This is not a thing about the CBO. This is a this is a a um, this is a the deal we cut is a time deal, not a CBO deal. So we'll be interested. I mean, I I don't think. There's going to be any judgment on the prescription drug uh, portion of it. I think the immigration portion of it is going to um, 
take a while to come out. So I, I think we're going to have some issues here. I think it's going to be an interesting next week to see how the two sides kind of handle the um, the uh, uh, just whether they'll whether of they're ready for a vote. And I and I think to be honest, with you, Jayapal has the upper hand here because they because they put him off. You know, last week, this is only six moderates. So, you know, they put him off last week over this. And um, and uh, it's, I think Jayapal is going to make the point that it's time to go. It is going to be something to watch. Nothing is ever as easy as it might seem. That is something I think we have learned over and over again, this Congress in particular. Uh, let's go on to the number three story of the morning, the January 6th investigation. Former President Donald Trump had a big ruling against him late last night where a federal judge said that the January 6th Select Committee can get access to more than 700 pages of records that Trump did not want to turn over uh, related to the deadly attack on the Capitol. Obviously, this is going to have more twists and turns. The Trump team is expected to already you know, making clear that they're going to appeal. And this issue could go all the way up to the Supreme Court, but a pretty big day for the House January 6th Select Committee. So this is part of the continuing fight. Um, and uh, I have to imagine, I mean, this is going to get litigated in court, obviously. And I, I, just a comment on some of the people who were recently um, uh, subpoenaed. Ben Williamson. These are some people who are really close to the president. And Ben Ben's not close to the president. I don't even know if the president knows who Ben is. But he was, or the former president. But um, Ben was very close to Mark Meadows, chief of staff um, to the to the president. Worked for him in the House of Representatives. Stephen Miller, Kayleigh McEnany, all those folks are people who are extraordinarily close to. Um, to the process and to the top people in the White House. and But again, this is going to be litigated in the courts. I can't imagine this is going to come up. Um, I can't imagine this is going to be, uh, they're just going to waltz right into the, the committee room. Uh, obviously, Trump has been indicating that people should not cooperate. And, and um, uh, this document, I, he's going to, this is going to go to the Supreme Court on the document front. Um, outside of the subpoenas, this is just going to go to the Supreme Court, I would imagine. And, um, you know, as long Republican Trump delaying this is as good as it gets for for um, him, because this remember Democrats, if Democrats lose power at the end of next year, then they're not going to have this investigation goes away. Yeah, I think one of the things that is super important to just note from a 30,000 foot level is just how much uh, this committee is ramping up the pace of its investigation. They've issued now 35 subpoenas, including 10 last night alone, to former Trump aides. And several of those aides, as you just noted, held sensitive posts in the West Wing. Um, you know, this is not... It's, it's this is a serious committee doing a lot of work here. I think for a while it was hard to see, you know, when they got started, how exactly they were going to formulate their mission and go about their business, but clearly taking uh, the work extremely seriously. And, um, you know, as much as Trump doesn't want to re release those documents and a lot of people are stonewalling and are refusing to testify, um, they are going to come out with a report and they're clearly talking to a, a lot of folks here and taking that that mission pretty seriously. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. If you are a premium member, just a reminder that we have a brown bag lunch with John Bresnahan, Jake Sherman, and myself this afternoon at the great time of noon to talk about all things that are happening on the Build Back Better Act, 
the uh, January 6th commission and whatever else is on your mind. So look forward to interacting with everybody this afternoon. Have a great day and stay safe.